Welcome to episode 339 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent here as always. This week, there's not a guest with me. It's just going to be me talking. Which I was thinking about that before this. In the history of this podcast, I did, you know, just our recent episode where we did the best of 2021 was just me talking by myself about the best of the best albums of 2021. And then I would say a couple months ago, episode 333 was just an episode about remembering Pantera, and that was me rambling about Pantera. But in the history of this podcast, I don't believe that I have ever, there's ever been an episode where it's just me talking about random stuff. Me and Jason did that quite a bit. Actually, early on, when we didn't have a guest, we would just throw an episode out of us talking. And, you know, as the the years went by, it got to the point where we had guests most every single week. So those became few and far between. But I know him and I both always dug those episodes because we could just pick out a few topics and then just start rambling. Which is kind of what I'm going to do here, but... I don't have a ton of topics, just kind of some stuff about some live shows that are coming up. Wanted to talk about a specific band that anyone listening to this podcast has heard of. Even people that don't even listen to rock music has heard of this band I'm going to talk about. And then I'm going to talk about a specific song, and we'll get to that in a bit. And if you're wondering why the title of this podcast is what it is, you'll find that out here in just a bit as well. Alright, so before I get into all this stuff that I'm going to talk about, let's mention our sponsors. Let's kick this thing off with DEB Concerts. Located in Tulsa, Oklahoma, they've brought in tons of great shows over the past several years to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and surrounding areas. They actually book the Roadhouse stage at Rocklahoma every year. The last couple years have had some great acts out there, like... John Five, Slaughter, Lita Ford, Ace Freely, all kinds of great stuff. Warrant. So just be on the lookout for that if you're in the Oklahoma area or one of those people that travel in for Oklahoma. Doug is actually starting to accept submissions for Oklahoma. If you're in a band and you want to play at Oklahoma, that'll open up very shortly. Next week, I believe, February 1st. So, once he posts that info, we'll share it with you as well. But in the meantime, they recently announced the Metal Tour of the Year is in its second year. So, I guess maybe that should be the Metal Tour of the Years, maybe? Last year, this thing kicked off. Megadeth, Lamb of God, with with Trivium and Hatebreed. This year, they've got In Flames in tow. In Flames was actually supposed to be on it last year. But due to all the COVID, everything going on, they weren't able to make it here from their home base of Sweden. But now they're able to make it overseas. So In Flames, Lamb of God, Megadeth will be at the BOK Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma on April 30th. Presented to you by our sponsor, DEB Concerts. So for more info on that, hit up debconcerts.com. Follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, DEB Concerts. And of course, we'll bring you any up-to-date news we have on any future shows and more announcements they've got coming here very soon. MedFarm is a dispensary located in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, and they are right off the highway, right past Anita Road. 
about less than a quarter mile past Onita Road on the east side of the highway. Med Farm. They've got a huge sign. Grain everywhere. You don't want to. You don't miss it. Excuse me. You won't miss them. They've got a drive-through, which makes everything easy. You can call, text, or email ahead your order and whip right through that drive-through. And a very cool thing, the drive-through thing in alone in itself is pretty cool because most dispensaries don't offer that. But MedFarm's drive-through is also open 24 hours a day now. You can also go inside, not 24 hours a day, but most of the day. Check out their selection there, or you can check it out online at leafly.com. Their slogan is Cannabis with a Cause because 30% of their proceeds at all times go to build no-kill animal shelters. An amazing cause, a huge thing they're doing, so which is the main reason why you should go 10 minutes out of your way and come to Broken Arrow and hit up Med Farm and help them. Also, if you mention Thunder Underground, they'll give you 10% off your first order. Follow them on their socials, Med Farm OK. On Instagram, that's P-H-A-R-M, MedFarm on Facebook. They're always running specials. They post about them there. Their website is MedFarmOK.com. We've also got Sunset Tattoo Tulsa. A tattoo shop located right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in the midtown part of Tulsa. 25 plus years of experience. Their tattoos are done good and proper. They're state licensed and they are mother approved. If you follow them on their socials, Facebook and Instagram are both at Sunset Tattoo Tulsa. You can check out tons of pictures of Jake's work. It's all great. You can see the different styles and some great stuff he's done. I personally had a tattoo done by Jake and I love it. I know several other people that have as well. So give him an email or give him a call to set up a time to talk about what work you need to have done and get over and support Sunset Tattoo, and tell them you heard about him here. All right. So, let's see. I don't know where to start. Let's start with, hey, you want to start with this week in political news? This week in political news, Kid Rock announces a new tour with Foreigner, Grand Funk Railroad, and Jason Bonham's Led Zeppelin Experience. I didn't look too closely into this. The poster showed all three bands with Kid Rock, and I kind of bet that this is, you know, three bands for different legs of the tour. Because if not, I mean, even if you're one of those people that can't stand Kid Rock, but you love classic rock, I mean, that's one hell of a show if all three of those bands are on the bill before Kid Rock, but I don't know. And, I've, you know, I love reading the comments on these things, and all these people are like, why it's foreigner not headlining over Kid Rock. I mean, because your head's in your ass? I don't know. I mean, how hard is this for you to comprehend? That, you know, I see this all the time. You know, I'm in Facebook groups from bands I love. Like, a couple good examples are Tesla and Seven Dust. These are great bands that have strong followings, but they've never made it to that arena level as far as headliners go. I mean, well, Tesla did for there, there for a short bit, but... They've opened for bands and arena acts, and you always see their fans like, they should be headlining. I mean, I don't understand how people can't comprehend that just because you love a band way more than you love a band they're opening for, that doesn't mean that they should be headlining just because you're a bigger fucking fan. There's a thing called ticket sales, and there's a thing called draw. 
And as great as Foreigner is, first off, they're a cover band now. That's not the point. Second off, they're still a good draw. They sell out 2,500-seat casinos all the time. But guess what? Kid Rock sells out amphitheaters and arenas. So there's the difference. But the point is, there's some great bands opening for Kid Rock on his tour this year. Also in political news, Rage Against the Machine canceled several concerts coming up. You know, mostly, I think it was mostly festival dates. It was most of the shows before their tour later in the year. More in political news, Iced Earth released an album last Friday. It's actually a release that already came out in 20, I think it was 2020, when John Schaefer released a book that was kind of a compilation of like lyrics and um, photos and I never, I never saw it, but anyway, there was a instrumental album that came out that accompanied this book, which was kind of a cool idea, but this has now been released on its own as an album and more in political news. Neil Young threatened Spotify and said, if you don't take Joe Rogan off of Spotify, you should take me off. Or he didn't word it like that. He basically said, it's him or me. Which I know, if you didn't know that, you should probably do by now. But if you didn't, you're probably laughing because is there any world or any, you know, what's the right word? Plane of existence where Spotify would say, okay, Neil, we'll leave your songs on Spotify, but we'll take off the guy that brings in 10 million listeners a fucking episode. Okay, yeah, that makes all kinds of sense. And I understand it's great to stand up for what you believe in. But in a sense, what Neil Neil Young is standing up for is, I don't agree with someone, so I don't want to be a part of the platform that they're on. Which is completely as right, and that's great. But I just think it's kind of funny, because Neil Young has always been, you know, for the little guy, you know, the the working man, whatever. Which, obviously, Joe Rogan isn't the little guy, but probably 80% of his listeners are. So, I don't know. You don't have to like Joe Rogan. You don't have to like Neil Young. I just thought it's funny. So, there's your political news. All right. More important news. This Saturday, at the Vanguard in Tulsa, Shelter in Place will have their album release party. Shelter in Place has actually been played on this podcast before. It's been, it's probably early last year, because I know Jason was still here when we did it, and played some of their music. I still have not had the opportunity to see them, see them live, but I know they've played here in Tulsa a few times. They will also have some great friends of the podcast on this show as well, Grind who has been on this podcast multiple times in different incarnations and different themes, all kinds of great stuff. They will be on the show. The Normandies as well have been on this podcast a couple times. And just like Grind, and I'm pretty much guaranteeing Shelter in Place, they are an amazing live band. The Normandies are premier, in my opinion. I've said this every time, you know, I've seen them live or talked about them. You could put them up against any punk band in this nation, in my opinion, when it comes to a live show. 
This show will also feature Infall and Wolf Ugly. It's this Saturday night, January 29th at the Vanguard in Tulsa. Tickets are cheap. They're like, I think 10 bucks if you hit up one of the bands in advance or 15 bucks at the door. Regardless, 15 bucks is a great deal for five great bands supporting some independent music with some great live music. So get out there and check it out. And I want to throw a shout out to a great friend of the podcast, Jason Carroll. He's been a longtime friend and listener of this podcast since pretty early on. And we uh, always have a great time hanging out. And I just wanted to shout out that his birthday was just a couple days ago. And he's actually, I think he said he's going to be celebrating at this show. So if you go out to that show and you see Jason Carroll, give him a happy birthday. Speaking of birthdays, it was also my dad's birthday just a few days ago. I don't think he listens to many of these podcast episodes, but happy birthday to my dad. A few days after that, him and I went to the Looney Bid in Tulsa, Oklahoma to see Mick Foley of wrestling fame, for those of you that aren't wrestling fans. He's several times throughout the last several years, he's done basically spoken word tours where he goes around and just basically tell stories about his time in wrestling. And he's an excellent speaker. You know, he's always fun to listen to. And he spoke for, it was one hour and 55 minutes, right under two hours. You know, it's one of those things that flew by, felt like 30 minutes. And he, you know, is great. At, he took questions early on and then the last 30 minutes or so took questions and he could, you know, we turn a question into a 10 minute story and you know, I don't know why I'm talking about this. It has nothing to do with music, but actually he talked quite a bit about Tori Amos, which was cool because the guy actually asked a question about Tori Amos because he's, there's a famous story from Mix, one of Mix's books about a Tori Amos song and he kind of went into detail on that and then some other stuff. So regardless, that was a good time, but kind of back to sh- upcoming shows here in Tulsa next weekend, February 5th. At the Shrine in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Tantric and Smile Empty Soul will be returning to Tulsa. Both of them have played Tulsa many times. I know Smile Empty Soul has played the Shrine several times. I don't know if Tantric's played the Shrine or not, but I bet they have. This show will also feature Shelter in Place as well. So their album will come out Saturday. Go to that show, check them out, buy that album, and then go check them out and support of Tantric and Smile Empty Soul. And in this show will also feature our friends at Dead Union. So this is uh, another great bill right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I mean, there's all kinds of shows coming up. I'm just talking about the the ones with the independent bands that, you know, are friends of the podcast or that have been on the podcast either via playing their music or as a guest. But this weekend also features several things. Gary Clark Jr. is going to be at the Canes Ballroom in Tulsa. He's actually going to be at the Criterion in Oklahoma City Friday night. And then he's playing two shows in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Saturday night and Sunday night. Saturday sold out pretty quick. Sunday isn't sold out yet, but it's probably pretty close. So if you want to go see Gary Clark, you better hop on that quick. But also Sunday night in Tulsa, 
Tool is making their return. They're going to be at the BOK Center. Sunday night in Oklahoma City, Elton John is making his return to Oklahoma. And I saw Elton John, I've only seen him one time. And that was 2008. I can remember that year. I'm pretty sure it was 2008. I went with Maggie. Because that was the year that me and my ex-wife split up. Random info for you. But I can remember that that's the year that concert was. Because it was towards the end of the year. I believe it was December. It could have been January of 2009. I don't know. But the point is. Actually, I think it was. But the point is my ex bought myself and Maggie tickets to this show. And it was Elton John and Billy Joel. It was a fantastic fucking show. And I've wanted to see Elton John again ever since. Well, Billy Joel as well, but mainly Elton John. So, who knows? Maybe if you're at that show Sunday, you might see me. But as of right now, no, because tickets are pretty damn high in the secondary market. But as smart people do, you push that shit to the end. And I'm going to be checking out tickets on Saturday and Sunday and see what kind of prices there are. So... Anyway, that'd be cool. So if anywhere in this country you get a chance to check out Elton John, I'd damn sure do it because this is supposed to be his last run. And if you've never seen him, you're missing out one of not just rock and rolls, but music all time, all time music greats. So recently, Seven Dust announced a tour. They are doing the Animosity. 20th anniversary tour, which is very cool. They did the 20th anniversary tour for their debut album a few years ago now. That would have been 2017, I think. I think that came out in 97. And then they did not end up doing one for Home, which I thought was weird because that was a pretty big album in their history which would that have fallen during COVID no I think that came out in 99 so that would have been 19 regardless I don't know but they're doing it for animosity now which is very cool because most bands when they do that it's kind of like hey here's one for the big album the debut album our most popular album whichever but Seven Dust is keeping this going so maybe they'll do it for every album down the line who knows but regardless, if you're in the Oklahoma area, they're going to be at the Diamond Barroom on March 4th if you're anywhere else in the country. Check them out to see the dates. They've got Tetrarch opening up. Tetrarch is a great new band. If you listen to Sirius at any point, I'm sure you've heard of them by now. They are... Their album that came out last year is really good. And Diamond Rowe, the guitarist from Tetrarch, was on this podcast last year. Jason and I interviewed her. She had some great stuff to talk about. She's a young, up-and-coming guitarist. She's phenomenal. That band's great, so... There's your full night of fun there in Oklahoma City or anywhere else in this country if you check out Seven Dust with Tetrarch. Something else way off that was recently announced is Wasp. Okay, this got announced since the last time I had an episode, so I haven't talked about this yet. 
But just out of the blue, Wasp announced their first American tour. I should have looked up how long it was. I know it's been over a decade. I think it was probably 2009 or 10. But the best part of this, see, Wasp, you know, in itself is a draw, I think. I say I think because for younger generations, they're they're not a band like Iron Maiden or Judas Priest or Ozzy or one of these metal bands where even the younger generation's familiar with them, unless they had a parent, but I just mean as a whole. But for, you know, the older generation and the people that grew up with them, this is a huge draw because, like I said, they don't play here that often. And unfortunately, you know, Blackie kind of got a reputation of canceling gigs on a whim because of stupid bullshit. Like, I remember back, like, 15, 20 years ago, Metal Sludge would have, like, a tracker thing about it. Like, what's he canceling for this time? And it'd be shit like, you know, my microphone doesn't fit right on this stage, you know, because he has that massive microphone stand thing. Or, you know, there's not enough people, tickets sold. All that kind of stuff. But I think just going away and coming back always builds, you know, excitement and builds value. But on top of this, this is an amazing bill because Armored Saint is the opening act on this entire tour. And a chunk of the tour, like six, eight dates, the Michael Shanker group is also on this bill. Thankfully for me, I am at the t- I'm in a town with one of those dates here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, November. It's either fifth or sixth. I don't have to get the date right because it's so far off. But this tour will be coming through Wasp, Armored Saint, and Michael Schenker Group. I mean, if if you're a fan of old school metal, you know I challenge you. I'm, you're hard-pressed to find a better lineup on that in probably decades, no, decades, but like the last 15, 20 years probably when it comes to like a package tour of artists from, you know, the 70s, 80s, even 90s that still sound as good as they did back then live. And I mean, Armored Saint is going to blow Wasp off the stage every damn night, but that's not really a knock on Wasp because Wasp, Look up live performances. I mean, they're good. They still sound great live. So, like, it's just a testament to how amazing Armored Saint is. I wouldn't want to follow them if I was in a band, but, you know, it's good to have bands like that on the bill because, honestly, as soon as I saw it, tickets went on sale like that day. I bought tickets instantly because of Armored Saint and Michael Schenker Group. If they hadn't been on the bill and it was just Wasp, I probably would have got tickets, but it wouldn't have been an instant decision like it was. So, Anyway, what are your thoughts on this? Let us know in the comments, or let me know in the comments. I say it every week, but I'm never going to stop saying we or us, because I said it for six and a half years with Jason, who would generally be sitting next to me so I could say we or us. Now I need to try to get back in that habit of saying I, or just not use pronouns or whatever descriptions like that but when you've done it this long it's hard to hard to stop right all right i know there's other shows other stuff going on 
you know, those are kind of the things that jumped out at me recently. And you may be thinking, and well, there's another show that was recently announced in the Oklahoma area, but I'll talk about that here in a minute because I'm going to play some music for you first. And if you looked at the title of this episode and you're like, I wonder what that means, because normally the title episode is whoever the guest is or the subject at hand. And this week, I couldn't really think of what to call this episode, so I'm just calling it Let's Go Crazy, because that's the name of this song. This song is, as soon as it starts, if for some reason you haven't heard it yet, as soon as it starts, you will realize, oh yeah, okay, I know that song. And if you know a song called Let's Go Crazy, I can only think of one that everybody should know. Yes, that's a cover of the Prince song from Purple Rain. So anyway, let's jump into this and then talk about it for a minute when we get back. Here is Dirty Honey with their version of Princess. Let's Go Crazy. Dearly beloved, we're gathered here today to get through this thing called life. And if the elevator tries to bring you down, go crazy. Like 
Let's Go Crazy, the brand new single from Dirty Honey. That, of course, was a cover of Prince from his album Purple Rain. Now, this song came out, it was announced like right before it came out. Because they performed this song live on New Year's Day. On, I guess I should have looked this up. I'm not a hockey fan. You know, I kind of, I see stuff that's going on when I catch SportsCenter or randomly see something on social media or something. But I don't follow hockey. But I know that every New Year's for the past several years, they do an outdoor hockey game. Generally in a cold weather state because most fans of hockey are north. Anyway, right? But they do this outdoor big extravaganza on New Year's Day. In the freezing cold. And this year, Dirty Honey performed Let's Go Crazy at the hockey game. And the day before, on New Year's Eve, they released this song. And as soon as it came out, I checked it out. Because if you've listened to this podcast at any length of time, you would know by now that I'm a massive fan of this band. Dirty Honey. On our recent Best of 2021 Albums of the Year episode. Dirty Honey and their self-titled album from last year was number one. Okay, that's where I stand with Dirty Honey at this moment. They have also been on this podcast. Well, I say they. Two of the members have, Mark and Corey, singer and drummer, were on this podcast probably, it was last spring, early summer. Jason was still here when we interviewed him. It was episode 316. So if you have not heard that one, check that one out. But Dirty Honey, and I say this every time I speak about them, but they are the future of rock and roll, in my opinion. I'm not just saying that loosely. I firmly believe that Dirty Honey and Rival Sons and some of these other bands, you know, Greta Van Fleet, whether you like them or not, these bands are the bands that are... I, I, I really believe that 30 years from now will be classic rock bands. Because they've been around 30, at that point, 35, 40 years. And Dirty Honey is exceptional at what they do because they have this sound that harkens back to classic rock. Harkens back to southern rock. But they still sound very fresh. They still sound relevant. They still sound, you know, like something that you want to hear and you want to hear more of. You know, you can compare him to different bands. You can compare his vocals to different vocalists. But at the end of the day, you hear him and you know who they are. And that's the most important thing. So whenever I saw Dirty Honey was covering Let's Go Crazy by Prince, my first thought was, well, hell yeah, because I love Prince. But then my immediate second thought was, that just seems kind of odd, you know, like an odd pairing. But in reality, it's really not once you hear it. Because Mark's vocals are so... I don't know what word to use other than just fucking amazing, but... And Prince, of course, was an amazing vocalist. Different styles, but they could both hit those highs and 
Mark definitely hits them in this song. And the music, which Dirty Honey keeps in their sound, but of course stays true to the song, I mean, that's you can't really ask for much more. You know, me and Jason talked about it the year before last when Seven Dust put out their cover of Soundgarden's The Day I Try to Live. Where you heard it and it sounded like a Seven Dust song, but it also sounded very much like they paid homage to the original. They didn't try to sound like Soundgarden. Lejean didn't try to sound like Cornell. But the song sounded like Soundgarden, but still sounded exactly like Seven Dust. Which is kind of weird to explain, but that's the same exact thing here in my opinion. So, hopefully you dug that. It's on all our social medias. I'm happy as hell to be playing it. A huge thanks to Jody Best of Best Bet Promotions for sending that track over. Alright, so anything else? Yeah, I guess the uh, thing I mentioned up front about talking about a random band. Making sure I don't have anything else here on my list that I was going to mention. But, yeah, one thing that Jason and I used to do whenever we would be talking on an episode before a guest and we needed to fill some time or we were just having our episode like this where it was just talking or one of our live streams that we did quite a few live streams there for a while throughout 2020 on Facebook. One of our subjects, one of the subjects that we always hit was what have you been listening to this week? And it's weird to say that out loud, like I'm asking myself a question, but Jason and I used to do it because, you know, we had both mentioned whatever we've been listening most to the last week or two. And then that would spark some conversation about whatever bands those were. But basically that's why I'm bringing this band up. There's no, this is totally random. No news that I know of. But my answer to that question this week is Aerosmith. And it was early this week. I don't remember what the subject was. I'm I'm pretty sure it was a Mitch LaFond post on Facebook. But I can't remember what the post was about. But I just remember in the comments of whatever the post was, some random person I didn't know mentioned Aerosmith's permanent vacation. And I had not listened to this album in its entirety since probably the 90s. Like when I was young, this was the first Aerosmith album I bought with my own money. Like it's one of the first albums I remember buying after, like I, you know, have these early memories of buying, actually I don't even think I bought Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen. I think my mom bought it for me. But I have a memory of buying Hysteria by Def Leppard, Poisons Open Up and Say Ah, and right around that same time, Permanent Vacation. Because Pump wasn't out yet. Because this has probably been like 80, 88, I bet. The album came out in 87. But man, I wore that cassette out. When I got the CD, I listened to it all the time. It's just one of those albums, you know, that stuck with me for a long time. And then, like, as I got older, it's funny because a lot of those albums, I, you know, I would go back to Pump every once in a while throughout the years and listen to it. A couple of the older albums, like the debut album or Rocks and Toys in the Attic. 
And of course, you know, even some later stuff like Eat the Rich, not Eat the Rich, excuse me, Get a Grip. And, uh, but so the point is when he, when that person mentioned permanent vacation, I was thinking, man, I've not heard this in its entirety forever. So later that evening, I put it on, listened to the thing straight through. And not that this is news to a single soul that has ever listened to Aerosmith or even myself. Cause like I said, I loved it when I was young, but this album is just so fucking good. And it's crazy that, you know, I wasn't old enough. Or I was too young at the point where Aerosmith was kind of in their down point. You know, they had their, all their heyday and all their hits throughout the seventies, you know, and then they had that point where they kind of, well, they broke up there for a short period of time. And then they had that period where Joe Perry wasn't in the band. They didn't replace him. I don't think actually, I, I think that's like a trivia thing. Like people say it's the only band that's ever been, you know, the same members on album. Because I know that there, you know, there was the point where a couple other members have had feelings, you know, in more recent years. But Joe Perry was out of the band, and I think they had, I think they did some live shows with another guitarist. And I'm totally drawing a blank. But that's not the point of where I'm going here. See, I'm rambling like I told you I would. But the what I'm trying to talk about is that during that period, they kind of had that lull. Then they put out like Done with Mirrors, and you know, it wasn't really received like highly by fans and I don't know about critics, but so when permanent vacation hit in 87, I'm assuming it was like a holy shit because this band is back and it's like just as powerful as it was in the seventies. And you know, it's like one of those things where, you know, a lot of bands, especially like sixties or seventies bands during their heyday, they were writing this and recording this music like whacked out of their mind on fucking hallucinogens or whatever. And then, you know, they release albums 10, 15 years later in the eighties or nineties and they're like, eh, it's cool, but it's not as cool. So you're thinking, man, these guys and their musical greatness and power came straight from, you know, tripping or being on something. But with Aerosmith, you know, they proved that, you know, they got sober at that time and they came out just as strong and I wanted to bring this up because when I listen to this album, you know, we've all, you know, we all remember, obviously, Dude Looks Like a Lady. You've heard that a billion times throughout the years. Or Angel. Or Ragdoll. The big hits from the album. But as soon as I put this on and I heard the opening track, Hearts Done Time. And then the second track, Magic Touch. I'm just like, holy shit, these are like two Aerosmith songs that are as good as any song they've ever done. And I just forgot about them because I, when you don't listen to an album, you know, but I'm not always that way. There's albums I haven't listened to in, in their entirety in years, but there's deep tracks that I always go back to because I just know in my head I love them. But these are definitely two deep tracks that I just completely forgot about. And then so just like rolling through that album. Hangman Jerry is one I remembered loving when I was a kid, and I still love it. And then just kind of getting down into it, the the title track, Permanent Vacation, the final track, the movie. I mean, this is just such a solid rock album that I've always, like I said before, you know, I went back to Pump way more than I did this, and I've always considered Pump 
like my Aerosmith album, because even though Permanent Vacation was the first one I got, Pump came out shortly thereafter in 89. And that's just kind of when I went and became a big fan. And so that's kind of where my personal fandom with Aerosmith kind of kicked into gear. So in my mind, I've always just kind of considered Pump like my Aerosmith album. Whether or not it's their greatest one or not, you know, that's a debate for another day. But when I listen to Permanent Vacation, I'm like, holy shit, man, this is probably better than Pump. So, naturally, I listen to Pump directly after I listen to Permanent Vacation. And I, th- it's kind of hard. It's a toss-up because they kind of have a, sl- you know, they have a slightly different feel, but they're still very much in the same vein. And Pump, of course, has several deep tracks that are amazing. But I almost, I think almost now after listening to them back to back at this moment in time, I almost might lean towards Permanent Vacation. So there's a, there's a good question. Maybe I should post something on social media here this week saying, you know, not what's your favorite Aerosmith album, just what's your favorite Aerosmith album between these two albums. But, you know, when you check out Pump, same thing, the opening the two opening tracks, you know, weren't singles. Young Lust and Fine, F-I-N-E, you know, are both stellar songs. And then, you know, it's got all the the hits. It actually had a couple more hits, I think, than Permanent Vacation. You got Love in an Elevator, Janie's Got a Gun, The Other Side, and What It Takes. And What It Takes might be their best ballad ever behind Dream On, because I don't think you can logically make an argument that Aerosmith has a ballad better than Dream On because there's very few artists in the history of our existence that have a ballad better than Dream On. But just like, what else? Let me pull this back up here. I mean, I always love the other, the other side, but... Yeah, Don't Get Mad, Get Even. Man, it's just a great album. And I always thought that album cover was cool when I was young, but it, I don't really, unless I'm not catching something, I don't really get the symbolism, but the Permanent Vacation album cover is actually one of the coolest album covers ever, in my opinion. It's just straight up basic with the logo, but that background and just the way it looks, I've just always thought it was insanely cool. So... Then I listened to those two albums, so naturally I thought, well, shit, now I gotta listen to Get a Grip, because I haven't listened to that straight through in who knows when. And another thing, you know, by the time Get a Grip came out, it was a few years later, that was 93, so by the time that one came out, I was 16, 17 years old, depending on when it came, or 16, when it came out, and, uh, you know, I was headfirst into way heavier stuff, and the grunge scene, and of course, I was still loving all the, the 80s rock stuff, you know, unabashedly and unashamedly, as I still do to this day. But Get a Grip was out, and I listened to it straight through, and it, I mean, it's the same thing, you know. There's so much, this one, you know, was heavy on the ballad, but maybe not as heavy as you would think, you know, because a, a lot of you know, rock bands like that, especially around that time period, would put three or four ballads on an album. 
because that was what was selling. But by the time 93 came around, that wasn't necessarily the case anymore because rock radio had shifted to the Seattle grunge sound. And it was at that point was getting into the alternative stuff, everything. But Aerosmith put out an album that had several, you know, I guess I'm looking at it, maybe four. I don't know if you consider Living on the Edge a ballad, but they released them all as singles. Crying, Crazy, and Amazing. And I used to kind of like joke about it, ridicule that it's just three songs. It's this, It's one song with three different, you know, titles and different lyrics, but... Really, when, you know, obviously crying sounds a little different, but crazy and amazing, I always kind of felt we're like, why do we need both these? But when I listen to the album recently, it's like, all right, you know, they're both great songs. It's kind of songs that I would always skip over if they came on the radio or if I randomly heard them in the past many years. But, you know, it's it's cool to hear that stuff again. And you got Walk On Down, sung by Joe Perry. Great track. You know, the intro leading into the first main track was Eat the Rich. And when I remember when that came out, I just freaking loved it as a quote-unquote banger for Aerosmith when that thing came out. Following right along with, you know, what they did with Love and Elevator on the album previously. But yeah, Living on the Edge, such a great song, timeless. But this whole thing, man. So I don't really know where I was going with this, what the ending was. was. Excuse me, where my ending point was going to be, but Aerosmith... They're one of those bands that there's very few bands in the history of rock and roll, especially in the history of hard rock, that could legitimately play a show where they played nothing but songs from an era and you know every song. It's like there's bands, you know, like I'd say, you know, Paul McCartney, you know, has a lot of songs on his own, separate from the Beatles that you would know. But even, you know, even his songs on his own probably wouldn't equal a full enough amount for a full set list that like your average listener would know. But there's and there's other artists like Eric Clapton that have, you know, hits from different, you know, bands or solo, whatever. But I don't think those things didn't span like decades and Van Halen is, you know, the biggest example where you've got David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar and Van Halen could play a show. Well, obviously they could have played a show where you played nothing but David Lee Roth songs and the crowd knows every song. Even if you don't go into deep cuts, same thing with Sammy Hagar. There's so many hits that you could have played nothing but Sammy Hagar songs and the crowd knows every damn song. ACDC is another band that had the hits in the 70s with Bon Scott. Early 80s with with um, Brian Johnson. And then they started having hits again in the early 90s throughout the late 90s. And then Tom Petty's another example of someone that could have said, Okay, look, here's a show where I'm playing nothing but songs that came out in the 70s and to mid 80s. And then he could say, here's another show where I'm playing nothing but songs that came out in the 90s and early 2000s, and you would know the majority of the songs. That's just a very a feat that there's only a few bands that can do that with, and Aerosmith is definitely one of those bands, because they could play a show 
with these three albums I mentioned. The hits from those, and then even the stuff that came after. Like, you know, they had songs from soundtracks like Deuces Are Wild. Or no, that was actually from their Greatest Hits album. It was an extra track added. And then they had I Don't Want to Miss a Thing from the Armageddon soundtrack, which is actually their technically biggest hit of all time. It's the only Aerosmith song to ever go to number one, if you didn't know that. There's some fun facts for you. You know, and they had songs from Nine Lives, like Fall in Love is So Hard on the Knees and Pink. They could literally play a full show of nothing but songs that came out, Permanent Vacation and After. And you would know all the songs. And then they could play another show where it's nothing but 70s rock. So I'm just, that was a long way of saying this band has so much music that spanned eras that, you know, most bands can't say. And for the fact that they had hits with songs like Crazy and Amazing and Crying on rock radio during the height of grunge is fucking impressive. Just like Tom Petty did with songs like Into the Great Wide Open and Learning to Fly and Mary Jane's Last Dance. You know, that's crazy. You know, when you look back at it, that these artists... There were classic rock artists at that point already were having legitimate huge hits at the same time as Nirvana and Alice in Chains and Stone Temple Pilots and then the alternative stuff with Smashing Pumpkins and so on. So, there you go. Post in the comments wherever you're listening to this. What's your favorite Aerosmith album between Permanent Vacation and Pump? And hell, I'll throw in Get In Grip. Did I say Get In Grip? Get A Grip. All right, I think that is enough for this episode of Ramblin'. If for some reason this is the first episode you ever listened to, that's kind of random, and I appreciate you stumbling across this. Like I mentioned earlier, Dirty Honey has been on here before. I've never had a member of Aerosmith, but I've had members of Def Leppard on here, members of Guns N' Roses, two members of Kiss, Yes, Kiss. Gene Simmons has been on this podcast. Glenn Hughes is another Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, like those three I just mentioned, with Deep Purple. And of course, a ton of great stuff now, like the Dead Daisies. Glenn Hughes has been on here. We've also had members of, hell, let's see here, Meg- several members, several former members of Megadeth, members of Crozier Conformity, Crowbar, Hatebreed. Clutch, Seven Dust, Sons of Texas, rest in peace, my friends. No one died, just the band, unfortunately. Um, Who else have we had? Prong, Typo Negative, White Zombie, Helmet, Devil Driver. Uh, I hate whenever I say uh, and then trying to think, but if you like that 80s glam stuff, Warrant, Great White. Junkyard, Tesla, L.A. Guns, Kicks, Lillian Axe, Firehouse, Trickster, Nelson. The list is huge. And we've got heavy stuff on here, like guys from Creator, The Black Dahlia Murder. The list is long. Dig back through it. Check it out. 338 episodes before this one. We've got more stuff coming. We've got a couple interviews scheduled that are going to be cool. We've also got this episode I've talked about last time where we're going to celebrate the life of our good friend Eric Bass, and Jason will be returning for that episode for the first time since he left. Josh Baker will also be here as well. Whenever that 
all comes to fruition, you'll be the first to hear about it. All right. Wherever you're listening to this, subscribe, like, whatever it is, so you don't miss any future episodes. And another thing is, if you ever see a post, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, just hit the like button or the heart button or the retweet button or whatever button. You don't have to comment as great as well. But if you just like or share or retweet or comment, whatever, that's an easy way to help this podcast out because anytime someone does that, it helps spread the reach around. <laughs> that's great. I wish Jason was here right now for that one because he would have had a good comment. To spread the reach around. There we go. I don't know. You know what I meant. To spread the reach. I guess I didn't even need to add the monotonous words there. But that helps with the algorithms and all that stuff. So that's an easy way to help us. Another one is, another way is, we've got merch. I've got t-shirts, koozies, shot glasses, stickers, guitar picks, hand sanitizer, all branded Thunder Underground. So if you're in a Tulsa area, Hit me up and I can hand deliver it to you. If you're anywhere else, I'll gladly ship it to you. Hit us up at thethunderunderground.com. You can listen to all the podcasts there. You can also listen pretty much anywhere podcasts are heard. We're on Spotify, unlike Neil Young. We're also on SoundCloud, iTunes, all that great stuff. So dig back through all these past episodes. Look for something you like because I'm sure there's been an artist on here that you at least kind of like. All right, once again, huge thank you to Med Farm, DEB Concerts, and Sunset Tattoo. And until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all. Thunder Underground.